Happy Halloween, Rafa. Happy Halloween, Kristen. Ah, so haunted. Are you haunted over there? I'm haunted by the movies on this week's <laughs> roster that we're reviewing. So creepy. What's the creepiest movie? What's the creepiest movie we have? Do you think is it is it Before I Go to Sleep? Amnesia. Who am I waking up next to? Who is this man? Who am I? Or is it Laggies? Oh, I am going to hang out with a bunch of children and act like them, even though I'm almost 30. That's creepy. And then I'm going to fall in love with one of those kids' dads who's old enough to be my dad. Super creepy. (laughs) Or would it be Nightcrawler? Oh, journalists are so creepy. Yeah, journalists are probably the creepiest, right? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's a haunted Halloween movie date for certain. Let's get into it, but first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway. What happened to your Halloween voice? Oh, I'm Kristen Meinzer. <laughs> culture producer for The Takeaway. And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And this is Movie Date. Oh. Oh, Kristen. Why aren't we voiceover artists? (laughs) I think we just explained why. I think we just proved why we are not. Um, Let's let's start, shall we, with Before I Go to Sleep. New movie with Nicole Kidman, Colin Firth, Mark Strong. Great cast. Tell us what, what it's about. So we have Nicole Kidman who wakes up looking around, not sure of where she is. Who's this man who's holding her? Why doesn't she have any clothes on? It's Colin Firth. You know, I wouldn't mind waking up like that. That's, that's kind of that's that, kind of the thing, right? That's you know? beside the point, right? Yeah, but, you, you know, go. whatever. Waking up with Colin Firth in your bed, walking around, wondering where you are, going into the bathroom, seeing a bunch of photos on the wall with labels saying, this is Ben. He's your husband. Our wedding. This is our life. This is you. And she has to have Ben explain to her first thing in the morning who she is, what's going on. Apparently, she's had a terrible head injury within the last 10 years. Because of this, she can only remember up until her early 20s. Everything after that is pretty much a blank slate. And she forgets it every night when she goes to sleep. She wakes up the next morning. It's a clean slate. Every morning. And, you know, he explains things, and that seems kind of helpful but kind of weird. He leaves for work, and then she gets a phone call every day after her husband leaves for work from Dr. Nash, who's trying to help her regain her memories. Now, who's to be trusted Is one of these guys not telling her the truth? Is she uh, telling either of them the truth? Here's a clip. I wish I wasn't so frightened all of the time. Do you really think this is a good idea? There are plenty of case histories of patients going back to where they suffered trauma. Actually, it's very rarely effective. So why are we doing it? We're building trust. So, Rafer, I went into this kind of excited because I loved Memento. Yeah. And and when I saw the trailers for this, I thought, this looks like that. This looks kind of <laughs> creepy, kind of like, why am I remembering this and not remembering that? How much of this is real? Who's telling me the truth? I love all that kind of stuff. Uh, I love I. this kind of movie. Yes. As do I. The 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 un the unlock the memory mystery, right? Goes back to goes back to Hitchcock at least, right? Marnie. Oh uh, yes. Or Marnie. even or even Thirty Nine Steps, I guess for that matter. But yes, the, I I like those kinds of movies. Obviously, I'm a huge Memento fan as well. Um, and this seemed to have a nifty premise. I liked I liked the idea. Um, 
it is a pretty good cast. I mean, I think Nicole Kidman is a good actress. Um, I love Colin Firth, and I also love Mark Strong, who plays mm, yeah. Dr. Nash, um, the guy that you were saying. You can't quite tell if he's – he seems to be trying to help her, but of course when things go wrong, he's very quick to plunge a syringe full of sedatives into her neck. So <laughs> – What's going on here? You know, and you do have these little nagging you questions. You do that to me all the time, Rachel. <laughs> I might do it to you again at the end of this podcast, <laughs> depending on if you do your Halloween voice again. Sedative. Um, so, you know, I like that kind of stuff. Why is this movie not that much fun? Why is this movie not that interesting or exciting or nail-biting? Why, why aren't my knuckles white in this movie? Well, did you want it to be a less quiet movie? It's very quiet. This very is quiet. pretty much like three characters with right. a fourth kind of added in at one point yes. or another. But it's mostly Nicole Kidman looking scared, looking around, looking exactly. uncertain. So you have three main characters, but it's really mostly just her looking around and looking scared. And then I'd say it gets really tense and scary toward the end and then completely falls apart in the last 20% of the movie. I just felt that the ult- I felt that the the final plot twist was sort of not it was kind of more of a quarter turn. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was kind of like, "Oh, uh oh, I yeah, okay, right. I see." That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, and I kind of felt like, "Well, now I'm not." It just it didn't have that it didn't have that great – like I'll, t- I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, one of our listeners, Michael McLaughlin, uh, said that this movie had already come out in the UK and he said it's gotten some strong reviews. Uh, I guess critics have been calling it Groundhog's Day meets 51st Dates, which I think is kind of funny. I would have called but it – not as good as either of those. Right. No. <laughs> Uh, I would have called it uh, uh, Memento meets uh, What Lies Beneath. And I don't know if I've ever talked about What Lies Beneath on this podcast before, but it's one of my favorite Robert Zemeckis movies. Um, and that has got one of these bang-up endings that just, like, raises the hackles on your ba- on the back of your neck when you realize what's happening and you think, oh, my God. And this movie just doesn't have that. Well, now I want to watch that movie. It's way better. It's a, that, <laughs> that movie's a tr- – that is like one of the better thrillers I have ever seen. Well, and so did Before I Go to Sleep actually put you to sleep? It, it didn't quite put <laughs> me to sleep, but the whole time I just kind of felt like I don't feel all that – I don't have that knot in my stomach. I don't, I'm not feeling tense and jittery, and I don't have that sense of dread where I think – Like an amnesiac? Was it completely forgettable? <laughs> Oh, Kristen. Yeah. Oh, my yes. humor today. It's top-notch. Woo! <laughs> Zowie. Anyway, so before I go to sleep, I would say kind of a lifeless date. Lifeless and inconsistent, and I didn't even get to all the holes in the story's logic, but I guess logic doesn't matter with this kind of date because you're never going to see it again. All right, let's talk about Laggies. Yet another movie about... Young people in their 20s, 30s, stuck in adolescence, trying to get out of it. In this one, we've got Kara Knightley. She plays Megan. She can't quite get her career off the ground. She actually doesn't really have one. She has a habit of kind of hanging out with her dad, uh, played by Jeff Garland, who enables her a little too much. Uh, Her fiancé proposes. Now, of course, when someone proposes to you and you're not quite sure how to move on with your life, suddenly you're being forced to make a giant, massive commitment. This is not Megan's strong suit. She freaks out and starts spending a lot of time, weirdly enough, with a group of teenagers, particularly one named Annika, played by Chloe Grace Moretz. Here's a clip. Hey, excuse me? We all forgot our IDs. Would you buy a six-pack or something? Someone did this for me when I was your age. It's like a rite of passage, right? I had a good feeling about you. That makes one of us. All right. 
Uh, eventually, of course, as you said at the top of the podcast, Kristen, Sam Rockwell, who plays Annika's father, comes into the picture, and uh, I think we all know where that's heading. So what did you think of this, Kristen? Now, I think Kira Knightley's wonderfully likable. I always have liked Sam Rockwell. I think Chloe Grace Moretz is terrific. Yes. But here's my big but. Uh-oh. But I didn't like this movie despite that. Here's oh, why. Now why? Here's why. Because I feel that this is not something that I could get on board with from the get-go. The suspension of disbelief I needed for her, for her to be hanging out with Chloe Grace Moretz and her buddies, that these kids would take a liking to her so much that they'd want this person who's almost 30 hanging out with them all the time. And then the fact that dad, Sam Rockwell, would let this adult who's hanging out with his teenage daughter, possibly in a predatory way, who knows what this woman's about, right? just sleep in the house with them. Just, <laughs> just hey, yeah, just stay with us. That's totally fine. I couldn't get past that. Who would let that happen? And then it just seemed creepy, the romantic interest thing between Sam Rockwell and Kira Knightley. I just thought, so now you just swapped your daddy who you have daddy issues with during the first, you know, 20% of the movie yes. for having another daddy that you also have sex with so that you can then relive out a different daddy child fantasy and just be a kid forever. So you just swap being a kid at home to being a kid in someone else's house. I, I just I couldn't get on board with it. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because I think I feel like we've flipped places here in some strange way because these are the kinds of things that tend to bug me. Uh, and and I know what you're saying, but I think what makes this movie work is the cast, and the cast is really good. Uh, Sam Rockwell as the dad, I think, is a real breath of fresh air once he comes a, bre- a breath of kind of fresh, grouchy, uh, angry air when he comes into the movie, and I think he breathes a little life into it, and he kind of represents sort of the real world that Kira Knightley has been trying to put away, you know, and uh, and also his world, as he says repeatedly to her, his adult world is flawed. He's a single dad with a girl who seems a little trouble, who's not doing that well at school, who he kind of can't control or relate to. He's having problems too. And I, I kind of like that idea that he's trying to tell Kira Knightley, look, adulthood isn't the magical place where everything's solved. You just have to go into it and deal with your stuff and deal with everybody else's stuff and try to make it work. It's not going to be perfect. Somehow, I kind of bought all these characters and the way they interacted. It made sense to me. And ultimately, I kind of liked the movie. I wasn't bowled over by it, but I thought that Laggy's was a pretty good date. I thought Laggy's was kind of the creepiest date of the week, and I don't mean that in a good way. Laggy's not a great date for me. Okay, Kristen. Nightcrawler. Oh, you know what nightcrawlers are? They're worms. They're worms, exactly. Oh, they're just crawling through the mud. They're being all gross. They're helping your garden grow in some way or another. (laughs) Much like Jake Gyllenhaal's character here. He's down in the mud. He's working as a night shift videographer, capturing the nitty gritty of what happens with accidents, with crime scenes in the dark of night in Los Angeles. He sells his footage to a local TV station because they have a morning show that gets off on just showing grisly overnight scenes. And he is, it's, it's notable, socially awkward, yep. a little bit weird. He's I'd say just, sociopathic. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm just not quite sure how to define him other than he seems that everything he's saying to you as he sort of looks in your eyes is reciting something he was told to say. Yes. He, he, he smiles at you because he's told that this is socially what you're supposed to do around other humans. He doesn't quite seem right in the head. 
This follows his story about how he does the night footage, but then the more grisly and the more close-up his footage is, the more money he makes. So maybe he's just going to get a little closer. Maybe he's going to infiltrate some crime scenes. Here's a clip. You were in Granada Hills last night. Yes, that's right. Shot the video in the house? Yes, ma'am, I did. That's right. You went inside the house? You filmed all through the house? You filmed the bodies? All before the police came? That door was open, ma'am. What did you think of this movie, Rafer? Well, I was very, very surprised by this movie. Um, Because the trailers are awful? uh, You know, I actually had not seen the trailers. That There had been very, very little advanced publicity about this film. Um, And... But as I was uh, working on my movie preview for the fall, for Newsday, um, I couldn't get that much information about Nightcrawler. I couldn't find the right publicist. But as I poked around asking, hey, who's the pu- anyone know who's handling this film? People would say to me, we're not handling it, but God, I wish we were. And I would say, really? So it had all this strong word of mouth. I saw it at the Hamptons Film Festival, and I just I, – I fell for it too. I just thought it was hilarious, funny. I think it's dark and edgy and um, has this really uh, – a kind of a, a bleak outlook and uh, a satirical anger to it that I have not seen in the movies in quite some time. And um, I think I think I know that you're going to say, Krista, that maybe it's a little heavy-handed – but you see for that me, look in my eyes. I see that. Look, I do see that look in your eyes. But I liked it. But tell what did what did explain that look I, in your I, eyes, I Kristen? I just don't think it's as smart as you think it is. I think that it's it's throwing something back at us that we already know is obvious. We know that journalists are terrible people. We know the media likes to you know scrape the bottom of the barrel of society. We already know about TMZ. We already know about overly aggressive paparazzi. We know about all this stuff, and none of this seems especially shocking. I would say that despite all that, I still enjoyed the movie. Oh, you I did? Okay. I just don't think it's very smart. I just think it's a fun thrill ride. Huh, that's so interesting. So I don't categorize it the same way as you, which, again, I enjoyed it. I want to make that clear. I enjoyed it. Jake Gyllenhaal is so creepy. Oh, he's great in the movie. He's so freaking weird. He's so creepy. I don't, you know... I, I don't think you need to think it's a smart movie to enjoy it, I guess is what I'm saying. The I'm, fact that you think it's smart is – that's nice, Rafer. I'm glad you think it's smart. <laughs> I, I, I don't, though. I don't know if I'm saying it's – it's. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm saying it's smart, smart. Like I don't think it's offering you a – like a, a new analysis. I mean, I mean, I've actually been surprised reading the reviews that I have read. Um, very few of them have mentioned Network, the old film from what, 1970? That's because Network is smart. Network, <laughs> I'm going to just say, is an incredibly heavy-handed satire. I mean, I mean, especially if you go back and watch Network now, it seems to be really just like smacking you right in the face with a giant hammer. I mean, it, I mean, it is the least subtle satire in history. But I think Network works, and I think Nightcrawler works for the same reason. I think there's something really funny about it. I also think it works, even without the satirical edge, I think it works as some kind of weird, creepy uh, uh, parable about, like, ambition, like um, like Sweet Smell of Success or, uh, or, like, All About Eve or something like that. There's something about this character who's willing to do anything to get ahead in the world and just happens to find this kind of weird bottom-feeding profession that works for him. I just think it's great. I think the cinematography is great. The, 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 the feeling of L.A., the creepy, lonely, late-night, depopulated L.A., I just think it looks great, and it's got a really, a really visceral, dreadful feel to it that I thought really worked. And I'm surprised to see it 
in a multiplex, and apparently, really? oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm oh, you're not? not? No. Oh, I'm I'm very surprised. It seems very. Um, it seems very dark and very um, – uh, I don't know what the word is for it. But it's not – it's not. It's got no upbeat ending, that's for sure, oh, Nightcrawler. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But, you know, even you were saying, Rafer, it's predicted to sweep this weekend as yeah, far it's as, pre- it's like, gonna be, the it's box office. Yeah, it's predicted to be the opening night movie. Um, uh, last point, Renee Russo is in this film. I, I just want to say I think she's great in it. I think she may have just staged a comeback. It's a fantastic role for her, by the way. I would say Nightcrawler, great date. I'd say Nightcrawler is a very good date. Totally enjoyable. You don't need to be a brain surgeon to enjoy it, though. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to enjoy it even if you're a dum-dum. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, stay with us because coming up, sweatpants. And during this week's sweatpants, there's going to be a little bit of disagreement. What we're going to watch on the small screen, what we're not going to watch on the small mm-hmm. screen. That's my haunted voice again. (laughs) I I thought I would bring it back. Of course, we also have trivia as usual. And we have some people who are a little bit mad at Rafer. We're going to have some listener mail for you. Stay with us. I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date. Now, Rafer... Some of our listeners have questions for us each week. Some of them want to give us feedback. And where do they do that at? They do that at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. Sometimes they also call us. Where do they call us? They call us, which is the far better option, at <laughs> 5717movies. I repeat, 5717movies. And if they want to hear every single episode that we've ever done... They can go to moviedatepodcast.org. And moviedatepodcast.org also has all the links you need to subscribe to us, to follow us on Twitter, to get to Facebook, all that stuff. Moviedatepodcast.org. It has all of it there. Did I pass the test? You did. I got every question right, didn't I? Rafer, unlike Nightcrawler, you are a smarty pants. <laughs> You're so smart. That's one of the things I like best about you, Rafer. You're Thanks. so smart. Thanks. <laughs> well, let's talk about some smart or maybe not so smart things. On the small screen, it's time for sweatpants. You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Am I the Queen of England? I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Now, as listeners know, sweatpants is our weekly feature where we look at what's on the small screen. What's new if you don't want to leave the house? Let's say you just want to watch some Hulu, some Netflix, some good old-fashioned television. We have some sweatpants picks for you this week. Rafer, what should we start with here? Why don't we start with an oddity? I think it's fair to call it. Mike Tyson Mysteries. Mm. Now, this has been billed as sort of a Scooby-Doo. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of a Scooby-Doo uh, meets uh, uh, Mr. T from the A-Team, kind of, <laughs> right? Remember that? Remember the Mr. Yes, T cartoon? The right. Cartoon. That's, that's sort of what they're going for. A little bit, you know, the animation is kind of Johnny Quest style. Uh, it's essentially Mike Tyson and a... Uh, crew of oddballs, uh, the Marquis of Queensbury, uh, Young He, his adopted Asian daughter, and uh, a pigeon named Pigeon. And they're all going to pile into the mystery van. It's not actually called the mystery van. Uh, They're going to pile into this van and go out and solve some mysteries. And in this first episode, ironically called The End, they're going to try to help Cormac McCarthy finish his latest novel. Here's a clip. Dad, when are you going to look at these with me? Look at what? College catalogs. I have to apply soon. Not now, baby. A pigeon just brought in a new message. Hey, guys, every one of them has a message from someone that needs the help solving the mystery. 
Now, Rafer, this is a new series that just started airing this last week on um, Adult Swim. Is that right? Yeah, part of the uh, Cartoon Network uh, lineup. All right. And you know how I feel about Adult Swim, don't you? How do you feel about it? (laughs) I feel that it is more heavy-handed dude than... Even Spike TV. I feel that every yes. every subscription to Adult Swim should come with a bong and a fake <laughs> vagina. I really just I have I, I, I just don't think they care about straight females at all. It's not for us. Uh, you know, it's true. Um, and and I have to say, I think that um, Adult Swim has had its moments of genius. I think um, I'm an I'm an old fan from way back of uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, I hated that. Show. Oh, you hated Space Ghost. Oh, I'm interesting. A female who's heterosexual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've got a social life. <laughs> I I. I I liked uh, Space Ghost. I also liked Sea Lab. I thought Sea Lab was very funny. Oh, God, I hated that well, show. Well, see, there you go. Now, uh, but I do think that um, Co- uh, Cartoon Network has fallen into a, uh, a bit of a trap. I feel like every single cartoon on Cartoon Network is now basically uh, a rerun of Ren and Stimpy. And I don't know if you were ever a Ren and Stimpy fan um, from back in the... Oh, boy, I remember Ren and Stimpy. What yeah. was that? The nine, the early 90s? Mid-90s? It's getting to be a long time ago. That was a groundbreaking series of cartoons. Um, and those were... They were grotesque and weird and um, a little dark, slightly off color, and and really funny and really interesting, like nothing I'd ever seen. And then... You know, a couple years go by and all of a sudden, freaking everything on Cartoon Network looks like that cartoon. I'm a little tired of that. And I guess I'm also a little tired of the Sea Lab Space Ghost humor, which was funny in the 90s. Never, never. <laughs> Not so funny now. I mean... So hold on here. This is supposed to be our sweatpants picks for the week. The I'm movies sorry. And TV I'm... shows we can watch without getting off the couch. I are know. you saying that Mike Tyson Mysteries is your pick for the week, even though you hate it? Or no, you... I I think you and I are just both interested in it in in seeing whether or not this could actually be funny. Could Mike Tyson actually carry an animated series, <laughs> you know, um, where he's a mystery solver? And I, I'm going to say the answer is no. The the series is basically just it's self aware, and that's it. It's not funny. It's not clever. It's not smart. It's only self-aware. Ha ha. I'm Mike Tyson. That's it. Okay. So can you recommend anything for sweatpants this week? Anything at all? Because this has been a fun conversation and it's hard not to like go on and on about Mike Tyson as an animated character. But we have to share with our listeners our wisdom. You're right. You're right. We have to share something with them. I'm going to recommend, uh, just just since we're on the subject, I'm going to recommend the the documentary that James Toback did on Mike Tyson called Tyson from 2009. Um, I feel like that film did not get a lot of traction when it came out. I think that there was still a lot of uh, ill will against Mike Tyson at the time. And I think some people were not prepared to sit and listen to him justify himself and explain all of the you know horrible things that he'd done. I think it's a pretty fascinating character study. A lot of the jokes that you will see in Mike Tyson Mysteries come from that movie. Mm. Um, and I think it's um, I think it's really good. And you get to see Mike Tyson kind of top to bottom, good and bad, the whole big picture. It's all right in there. I think that's interesting. I recommend that movie far more than I do the 10-minute disaster that is Mike Tyson Mysteries. <laughs> Now, how about you, Kristen? Do you have a pick? Yes, I do. You know I do. We saw this new, wonderful HBO miniseries. It's launching this weekend, but you and I have already seen it, Rafer, called Olive Kittredge, based on the Pulitzer Prize-winning collection of connected short stories. Pulitzer. (laughs) 
which, which I only say that because it's a joke in the opening pilot episode of Mike Tyson Mysteries. Pulitzer. Oh, maybe you did like Mike Tyson Mysteries no. because you keep referencing it. That's all you've been Sorry, talking about I'm, for the last five I sto- days. I stop. I quit here. I quit here. All right. Go on. Please go on. All of Kittredge is a four-part miniseries. It's airing in two parts. Uh, the two parts are going to be on Sunday night and then two more parts on Monday night. Right. Now, this stars Frances McDormand, who's also an executive producer on this. She bought up the rights right away after finishing reading the book. She just loved it so much. Uh, Tom Hanks is also an executive producer on it. And it also stars Richard Jenkins, Zoe Kazan, Bill Murray. There's some great actors in this. Rosemary DeWitt. Rosemary DeWitt, who's just wonderful. And all of this takes place in Maine over a 25-year period from roughly 1980-ish to the mid-2000s. And we see in interconnected stories, in all four parts, all four parts kind of take different short stories and dramatize them. And we see different snippets of this town and the life of Olive Kittredge. Olive Kittredge is, gosh, I guess she's kind of like the Nightcrawler guy, you know, that I think about it. She's kind of like Jake Gyllenhaal. She seems to be socially either um, inept or just doesn't even care about what other people think of her or I don't know how maybe she's just mean I'm not really sure how to define her and we see her throughout the course of the last 25 years as a wife as a mother as a school teacher and as a member of the community who is just a little bit off kilter here's a clip you know I was thinking we should take a trip together Mm, wouldn't that be nice yeah someplace warm like Bermuda maybe a cruise I'd rather go someplace on our own. You get a lot of dopes on a boat. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, we see a lot more on our own. Oh, Godfrey. What's the matter? Oh, I need a bathroom. Well, we'll be home in ten minutes. Can you, can you hold on? My bowels are about to explode. Just just try to hold on. No, I don't think I can. You need to find something, Henry. Oh, I'm trying. I'm looking. Let's go. Oh, here. Yeah, hold on. Oh, my bowels are about to explode. Uh, just go to the hospital. Go to the hospital. Are you sure? Mm, yes. Run the light, Henry. Run the light. All right, Rafer. We both love this cast. We it's all an we, amazing cast, yeah. and I love Lisa Cholodenko, who oh, was the director, yes, uh, who yes. did uh, the High kids Art. Are all right. The kids are all right. Laurel Canyon. Yeah, I love her too. She's always great. I think she's. I think she's wonderful. So uh, you know, the stars would seem to be pointing to yes to me to like Olive Kittredge, and I'm just going to tell you, I have no patience for this. What? I cannot. What? I cannot. What I, is wrong I'm, with it in I'm your mind? I'm not going to sit through all four hours of Olive Kittredge. This is slow. It's dour. It's morose. It's depressing. Uh, I find the acting to be obviously completely top-notch. Everyone's fantastic in this, in this thing. Um, I'm not interested in the characters. I'm not interested in the story. And I don't really know – I don't really want to know what's going to happen to Olive Kittredge, who is an interesting character in terms of all her um, contradictions. She's very helpful to many members of the community. She uh, seems to be a somewhat sensitive person, capable of love, but she treats her family horribly and um, seems to have little regard for uh, anyone except for maybe the occasional troubled student who comes into her orbit who she decides to help. Um, Everyone else – seems to be, you know, she seems to say, go to hell. Um, And I'm not really sure if I could take four hours of that, despite the fact that Frances McDormand is great and often very funny in the role. But you liked it? So notable listeners. Rafer gave up after one hour. I gave up after one hour. I was not going to watch all, I was not going to watch all four hours of this. I watched all four hours of it. And I think the acting is unbelievable. The cinematography is unbelievable. I never quite got a handle on why Olive Kittredge was the way she was. Okay. Um, 
even after four hours, I was like, she is a weird character. <laughs> she is perplexing. But you did see her evolve and change a little bit, just a teeny, teeny, tiny bit. She did surprise you a little bit if you stuck with her toward the end. Um, but I, I would say a lot of what I loved about Olive Kittredge was just the world it created. Um, I did not buy that world. Did buy I did that not world? buy that was post it? that post Fargo funny accent, ha ha, small it town Maine kept world. Dying and shooting each other it, and falling into the water. Is it all that? <laughs> no, there was a just, lot of death in this. It just seemed. It just seemed to be another one of these. I, you know, there's some. I, I, I was. I have a very love hate relationship with the movie Fargo, and I feel like this. This is all the worst things about Fargo to me. Interesting. I think a lot of people are going to love this series. I mean, it's it's being called the television event of the season. My colleague at Newsday, uh, Vern Gay, uh, who is the TV critic for Newsday, uh, just went bananas for this. He thought it was just fantastic. He loved it. Um, I just, I can't get behind it. I'm sorry. Can I just say, though, Martha Wainwright? Yes, I know. Martha Wainwright is amazing. Martha Wainwright is this aging barroom singer, and she appears throughout the whole series. She doesn't talk that much. She doesn't have a ton of lines, but she's this presence of poppy happy music and sad sad life and there's something about her renderings of songs like magic by olivia newton yes yes. that are so (laughs) haunting and beautiful and i just if for no other reason just watch it for her an underrated talent by the way martha martha wainwright i don't know if anyone any of you out there have seen her in concert but she she will she'll just kill you she's amazing yeah um yeah it's an actor it's an acting showcase um and that's really the best thing i could say about it for me olive kittredge is not i'm i'm not i'm not going to sit for four hours in my sweatpants and watch this that's all i can say olive kittredge put on the sweatpants and don't take them off that's what i'm saying this is my sweatpants pick for the week olive kittredge on hbo Now, Rafer, we, we get a lot of listener mail here at Movie Date, and sometimes people say really nice things to us, but we don't like to... Is, is this awful? We don't usually read the love letters that people That's send us. That's true. Because we don't want to sound self-congratulatory, but we do love it when you guys send us love letters. That's true. We That's do. That's great. But um, it's more fun to read the angry mail. <laughs> <laughs> I let's agree. Read, let's read some angry mail. Okay, read it out, Kristen. All right, let's start with... Both barrels. <laughs> Just give it to me. Let's start with Jeff from Texas. Uh, Rafer, all due respect, you are an idiot. I am referring to your review and dismissal of Fury. You sound like a wimp, a wuss, and a woman. The movie was heroic, real, and solid adventure. I assume you're a young middle-aged hipster. People your age and younger need an education on World War II and the price Americans paid for you to be spouting in English and not German. In short, sir, you suck. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Jeff from Texas. You got You gotta love any any email that begins with "All, all due respect, you're an idiot." <laughs> well, I could point out many, 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 many uh, oxymoronic phrases there in that email. <laughs> However, uh, I don't understand what you're talking about, Jeff. Uh, I don't understand why the fact that I dislike a World War II movie means that I am a Nazi. Um, and also, he didn't call you a Nazi. He called you a woman and an idiot. Oh, you call oh he, worse. <laughs> Worse, he called me a woman. That's my really, really, I think, Jeff, you just shot yourself right in the head with that one. You must be a woman if you didn't like this World War II movie. I love it. I love it. I love it, Jeff. Sieg Heil, Jeff. Sieg Heil. All right. And here is a call from longtime listener, Mike, in Texas. He frequently has his hound dog with him. This call, I think he's just on his own. Hey, Rafer, Kristen. This is Mike in Texas. 
it's almost uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, Thursday morning. Hey, uh, Rafer, I heard you ditching that movie, uh, Soul Surfer, on last Friday's podcast. I like that movie. <laughs> oh, anyway, enjoy the podcast. I just couldn't resist uh, giving you a vote. All the best from Texas. Mike, sounds like you're on one of those lonely drives. Doesn't it sound like I feel like I hear car? I feel like I hear car ambiance in the background. I always imagine Mike in his in his truck, and yeah. there's, there's a dusty road. Yeah. maybe there's a cactus on the side there. Whenever Mike calls us, it's always like three in the morning. Yeah. and we love you, Mike. We yeah. love that you call us all the time. We love your pure, heartfelt love of wholesome movies. Unapologetically, Mike calls us a lot and says he loves a wholesome movie. So. And I think it's I think it's really open minded of Mike to uh, to not accuse me of being a, a a communist or a German spy because I didn't happen to like Soul Surfer. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thank you for that civilized, gentlemanly disagreement. We have a lot more letters, but let's not read all of them now because we're out of time and we have to get to trivia, Rafer. All right. Kristen, what was last week's trivia question? So last week, in honor of 23 Blast, the uh, semi-based uh, on reality. Yes, it's not. It was true. It was a true story. <laughs> it was really true. Okay. All right. So the movie that's based on the real story of a young high school football player who went blind and continued to play football, we asked you about another blind athlete on film... Here's the clip we played. Ladies and gentlemen, in a moment, we will witness something never seen before in the history of athletic competition. We remember her as a promising Olympic contender who suffered a tragic setback last season. We got a ton of calls. Here's one of them. Hi, this is Jeff Gingrich calling from South Orange, New Jersey. An answer for the trivia question. Uh, it's that... Ice skating movie that had that famous song, uh, Music Box Dancer, that everyone, you know, all the girls were doing their gymnastics routines to in the early 80s. Everyone loved it. Um, it was, I believe, uh, The Cutting Edge. Thank you. No. <laughs> close. So, so close. So close. But you know what, Jeff? You are not the only one who thought it was The Cutting Edge. Almost everybody thought it was The Cutting Edge. Who Fascinating. Yeah. But you know what? Cutting Edge came out in the 90s. This is the correct answer. This is a dramatic reenactment of Andrew Mumbo's response to the trivia question. At first, I thought of the great figure skating drama Blades of Glory. But that musical score was so genuine, it harked back to the 80s or 70s when musical scores were sublime and heartfelt. The answer is Ice Castles. The story of Lexi Winston and her triumph over tragedy. A true screen gem movie date, people. A screen gem. I, I'm just going to do full disclosure here. Andrew Mambo is a producer for Radio Rookie. It's a fantastic show produced by WNYC featuring the journalism, the audio radio journalism, of young people, mostly between the ages of like 15 and 18. Yep. They do great stories. I highly recommend listening to Radio Rookies. But uh, that's Andrew Mambo, who is the producer of that show. He produced that audio segment there along with Lorraine Maddox, who works in listener services at WNYC. And Andrew says he, you know, he stops me in the hall all the time to talk about 
movie date because he's been an avid listener. He and his wife have been listening for quite a while now. It's very nice, Andrew. Thank you. And we're not in the habit of normally playing co-workers answers. We just want to make that clear. We don't normally do that. But when it's that good... What can you? Yeah, what can you do? How, How could, could you not play that? It was too good. It was very dramatic. It was too good. So thank you, Andrew. Great job, and thank you, Lorraine, also. And Rafer, what are what, what are we going to ask the folks this week? Well, we were talking and disagreeing about Nightcrawler. Uh, Kristen felt that it was uh, yesterday's news in a sense. Uh, I felt it was an edgy satire about uh, journalism and the media. It made us think about other movies that feature journalists behaving badly. Here's one that's uh, always been very popular. Let's play a clip. I was pouring sweat. My blood is too thick for Nevada. I've never been able to properly explain myself in this climate. Okay. Be quiet. Be calm. Name? Frank? And press affiliation. Nothing else. Ignore this terrible drug. If you know the name of that movie about a journalist behaving pretty badly. Pretty badly, yeah. Give us a call, 5717movies. Or you can message us at facebook.com slash movie date podcast.